Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. Everything we've been speaking about over the past weeks are timing indicators that lead to the definitive point between this age and the millennial rule and reign of Christ in the age to come. This day must be established as one day, a day that a day that comes at the end of the Great Tribulation, ushering in on one day, listen to this, a destruction, a deliverance, a resurrection, a rapture, and a return. This is the day we've been waiting for, the day that brings to a climax the must-events we've been addressing for the past five months and the church has been awaiting for nearly 2,000 years. The end of an age and transition into a new glorious 1,000-year reign under the leadership and authority of the Messiah himself, Christ Jesus. The day of the Lord, or the day of Yahweh, as it would be said in the Hebrew, is the featured message of the prophets. This phrase and such closely related expressions as the day of the anger of Yahweh, or Yahweh has a day, occur over two dozen times in the prophetic books most frequently in Isaiah, Joel, and Zephaniah, and once in Lamentations. Similar terms, particularly that day, the day of, and the day when, appear nearly 200 times in the prophets, occasionally in Lamentations and twice in Psalms. These terms often occur in the New Testament, referring, of course, to the end of the age and the return of Christ Jesus as that day or the day of the Lord. It's interesting, the day of the Lord and its similar renderings is little understood for its place and purpose regarding the future of Israel and the church. That's extremely important as we are to understand God's plan and purpose for the end of the age and Israel's critical role in that transition. The day of the Lord is perhaps the best way to explain the time and meaning of of Jacob's trouble, which we've talked about on a number of occasions. That brief but unequaled trouble described in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jacob's trouble, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book. And then later in the New Testament, that same trouble was called the Great Tribulation by Jesus. Listen to Jesus in Matthew 24. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no and nor shall ever be. Although Daniel does not use the term, the day of the Lord, everything he describes leads up to it. So just as Jacob's trouble ends with Israel's deliverance, listen to Jeremiah chapter 30. Alas, for that day is great, so that none's like it. It's, it's the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. In Daniel's prophecy, the time of trouble is given as three and a half years, and also ends in Israel's salvation, and when the Old Testament righteous dead are raised, 
as shown in the very next verse. Daniel 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is very important because it it clearly establishes the time, the end of Jacob's trouble and the Great Tribulation. These views I'm presenting of Jacob's trouble and the, the simultaneous Great Tribulation may sound confusing to many in the church, especially preterists who see these future events as nearly entirely in the past played out in 70 AD with the Roman destruction of Jerusalem. Others embraced a replacement theology, rejecting Israel's prophetic future as essentially null and void because of their rejection of Jesus Messiah. They believe the church has replaced Israel as the inheritors of the covenant blessing when Messiah returns. I would suggest these are precarious and I would argue dangerous positions that really have no validity going back to the church fathers, the biblical writers, not to mention the Old Testament prophets. Exactly what Jesus shows when he points his disciples to the signs of the times in Matthew, when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet and the great tribulation that immediately precedes his own return. All these are described in very noticeable day of the Lord imagery, a secure scriptural future event. So we must conclude the day of the Lord points specifically to the time of Jacob's trouble and tribulation that immediately precedes the return of Christ. These are clearly future events, perhaps much nearer than we actually realize. Listen to me. This is what happens on the day of the Lord. We can find this all in Scripture, and we're going to give you some right now. Number one, it marks specifically the sudden destruction of the Antichrist, 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Number two, it's also the moment of Israel's national deliverance at the end of Jacob's trouble. Daniel 12.1, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who's found written in the book. Number three, it's the time the Old Testament faithful are raised together with all who sleep in Jesus, all who've died. The first resurrection is what it is. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. The angel here is addressing Daniel regarding the future of his people. Number four, it's the time of Christ's glorious return at the last trump. And we talked about in the critical musts uh, in our last session. It all happens at once, on the day of the Lord, at the end of the Great Tribulation. Jerusalem has 
always been a cup of trembling, and it remains so today, and, and will continue until they see the return of their Messiah. Here's a key thought regarding the time of Jacob's trouble, and when all hope is gone, when Israel comes to an end of its power, its military prowess, resources, and when few remain. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 36. This is the Old Testament talking about the end of the age, many years in the future. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is no one remaining bond or free. Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 16, you, that's the Antichrist, you will come up against my people like an Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Here's the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that, now listen to this, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. God always has a remnant. I will bring one-third through the fire will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. Zechariah continues, behold, the day of the Lord is coming and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, the women ravished. Half the city will go into captivity, but the remnant of my people shall not be cut off from the city. Remember, God will spare a third of the people in the land who have been under a covenant discipline now for 2,000 years. Then there's Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Whose feet? Jesus' feet. He will come even as he departed. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain will move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah the king of Judah. Folks, that was over 2,000 years ago. This is a future event. Thus, Lord, my God will come and all the saints with you. Jesus comes and all shall see him. And those Jews who remain will go aside to mourn for the one whom they pierced. Now, I would like to touch on a very important point regarding the day of the Lord. That is, When we extend that day backwards, seven years, as in pre-tribulational thought, to include the entire tribulation, something is blurred that actually robs the term of the significant timing indicators that precede the return of Christ. The day of the Lord must be seen as the point of a sudden divine intervention at the end of the tribulation. 
in one day. In fact, this view of the rapture starts the day of the Lord, and that day, therefore, includes the tribulation. And it did not exist before the prophetic interpretation known as pre-tribulational dispensationalism, an end-time theory developed in the mid-19th century. Beloved, that's less than 200 years ago. Although this position is beginning to wane a bit, a sizable portion of the evangelical community, the people that read their Bible the most and love God well, still hold to the teaching of this day. The day of the Lord does not include a seven-year tribulation, but rather concludes it. There's no better example than Joel's prophecy. Listen carefully to the scripture and note the prepositions before and after. This is Joel chapter 2, verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Those are cosmic events. Verse 31, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Listen, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Joel chapter 3, verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near. It's at hand, it's approaching, but it's not here yet. Verse 15, the sun, the sun and the moon will grow dark. That's a future event, not yet. And the stars will diminish their brightness. Verse 16, the Lord will also roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a a shelter for his people and the strength of the children of Israel. When? Before the day of the Lord. It's at hand, it's approaching, but it's not here yet. The same is quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 20. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, great tribulation. When? Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now listen to Jesus in Matthew 24, Matthew 24, 29 and 30. Immediately after, another timing indicator, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Again, those are cosmic events. Then verse 30. Then the Son of Man, the sign of the Son of Man, will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Folks, that's a rapture. That's a second coming. And that is the day of the Lord. Note that Jesus places the cosmic events immediately after the tribulation, whereas Joel's prophecy shows this is happening before the great and notable day of the Lord. So then, how can the day of the Lord include the tribulation if the darkness that comes before the day is said by Jesus to come immediately after the tribulation? It can't. Scripture simply does not permit it. So much confusion comes by mislocation of the day of the Lord. A right view of that day and its relationship to the basic events of prophecy goes further than anything towards establishing the right order of events 
and avoiding needless confusion. When this covenant nation reaches the end of its fleshly skillfulness, expertise, their facility, talent, and genius, this is what the prophet Ezekiel says, I will set my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see my judgment which I have executed, and my hand which I have laid on them. Listen to this, verse 22. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. That's the day of the Lord. There are so many scriptures that that point to the termination of Israel's strength and stamina, the glory that descends on the nation as the, the veil is lifted from their eyes and they go apart to mourn for the one whom they pierced. It's difficult to see that day as any other day than the end of Jacob's trouble and the great tribulation. All Israel saved in that day, a future day, the day of Jesus' return and our transition into the millennial rule and reign with Christ at his coming. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, this wraps up this series on the events that precede the second coming of Jesus. I'm so glad you've been part of this teaching. But this is not the end. We're just really getting started. As we navigate the days ahead after this pandemic pestilence runs its course, there will be plenty of challenges in the future. And there are a number of musts the church must pray into and consider carefully. We'll be addressing those as the Holy Spirit leads. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss what's coming next. God bless each and every one of you. I'm Bill Nordstrom. We'll see you soon.